Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week of Sippin' Tea. My name is Andy. And my name's Mita. Yeah, it is. And this is a <laughs> segment. I think this falls under historic tea for us. This is... There's, uh, some, there's some historical tea moments. Uh, well, the most tea-gagging moment of, of all of this is just... Um, may not come to a surprise to people, but humans are dumb. You know, you know what I'm going to say is the the, the historic tea moment. <gasps> what? This global, this world event that we're mm-hmm. about to discuss kind of proves to me that aliens exist and they <laughs> gave us powers that we as human beings should, should never have. have. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this taught me. This taught me that aliens exist. That's my takeaway. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And what we were referring to is Chernobyl. The Chernobyl disaster. 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 Um, <laughs> anybody who everybody knows what Chernobyl is. You I hope should. <laughs> right. Um, like, even if we didn't learn about it in textbooks, you should have like heard of it. Definitely. So like once essentially what it was, it was a nuclear disaster when a nuclear power plant in the 80s um, failed and exploded and <laughs> pop the fuck off. <laughs> In Chernobyl, uh, in Russia, Soviet Ukraine. Union, Ukraine, technically. Yeah, so Soviet Ukraine, but we don't know the lines and the boundaries yeah. and the. It it was the Soviet Union at the time. I think technically, like that's. I'll tell you right now, that's a future episode because if you were to ask me, like, what was the Cold War? I got to tell you, no idea, Truly. no idea. I think I have tidbits, but like, what was the Soviet Union? Again, I don't mm-hmm. think I quite. No, but yeah, Chernobyl at the time in 86 was in Ukraine. I don't know if that's still yeah. true today. Um, so some might ask why, why was Chernobyl built where it was built? So right, right. the only thing that I could really find in the location or why they chose that location was that it was a um, largely like woodland area with a mm-hmm. low population density. So the nearest city, um, the nearest major city was like several kilometers away. Um, right. I think it was 20 kilometers away was the nearest um, non like Chernobyl related city, essentially. Right. Yeah, because, it wasn't like where the workers and everybody would stay. Yeah, exactly. Because they actually built a brand new city. Of, uh, and I'm just going to apologize. We're probably going to say a lot of names incorrectly this entire time. Um, but the city of uh, Pripyat was built for all of the um workers of the plant like the yeah yeah and it was only three kilometers away from the from the plant so it was a little distance away but it was still close enough to where the workers could conveniently go into work their 12-hour shifts or whatever they were right right Uh, that's true and also i will not be apologizing for my inability to speak (laughs) russian or ukrainian how dare you expect such things i was born in aurora aurora (laughs) um so when Chernobyl opened, it was originally constructed between 1970 and 1977. And that's when right. reactors one and two were built. So <laughs> take note of that. They, they took seven years to build two reactors. Seven. So what? Let's say three and a half each, three and a half a pop. Yeah, maybe. OK, so then units three and four were constructed in a single year in 1983. Mm. 
And I'm not going to point fingers, but I feel like that's a correlation. We took <laughs> seven years to build reactors one and two, and they're Gucci. They are running. They're <laughs> operable. They're still running to this day. Yeah, still, still kicking. And then the reactors that we built in a single year are the ones that Let's not say functioned. Six- so you went from three and a half years to make one. <laughs> I'm just ah, saying in halfies. Ah. And then you did it in six months. Like a hundred, like 150 days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are we talking about? But also like how, ta- how fucking Russian is that? We took seven years to build uh, this, this, this one. We're going to take a year to build these two. <laughs> faster and better. And it's like, you yeah. can't, I'll tell you one place I expect you to actually slow down and take your time. I'll say it. Nuclear reactor. I'll Absolutely. say it. anything where there's like thought. nuclear waste of any kind being produced. We should just one. We just probably shouldn't do it. Let's just don't do it. Don't do it. Um, now, would it be racist to say that there were like probably Schlitz on vodka? Maybe. I mean, vodka will get a fun you. stereotype. You look, it's cold. You know, you got to build a reactor yeah. in six months. I get it. So (laughs) for uh, from 1983 to 1986, the plant was operational for three years before Mm. our tragic meltdown of epic proportions. Epic. Epic isn't even the right word, but it's the only word really took over. You know what I mean? I mean, (laughs) decisions were made. So, um, you know, just to point this out, so the accident happened in April of 1986, April 26th, early in the morning, February yeah. of 1986. A Soviet official is quoted saying that the odds of a nuclear meltdown are one in 10,000 years. And by this time, the Chernobyl site contained four 1000 megawatt reactors, plus two additional reactors that were under construction. So they were going to build in the six total. They're going to have six nuclear cores just doing what they got to do, you know? Now, I will say that that is 100% Soviet. Like, not only are we going to do it, but we're going to do it bigger and better and better, bigger. Better in quotes. Quote, quote better. But, yeah. like, nobody ever says we're going to do it bigger and worse. They're always going to say true, bigger true, and better. True, true. But the main focus, it sounds like, was to have it bigger. Because mm-hmm. also, like, think about this. This is very, very, very remote area of Ukraine. Yes, this is a power plant. And yes, there's going to be things that like need a lot of power. Like it's 1986. We all have to like, I don't know, drive our Ford Pintos or whatever's mm-hmm. happening. But like also, do we need six reactors? Like, is that overkill <laughs> for remote Ukraine? Maybe I should, I, I feel like I would have been in Ukraine. Like we're in a remote area. Do we need, do we need four? I feel like we can power a lot of homes with one. I really do. Absolutely. <laughs> so essentially what, um, ironically, what, triggered this event was actually a safety test which i always think is just so (sighs) fucking like what a slap in the face we are doing a safety test to make sure that our nuclear power plant is operational and all things are good we're prepared for an emergency right and then that very safety test that you designed just says fuck you (laughs) like we're exploded we're popping off today (laughs) So I guess as you were reading that, my first question is like, you're going three years strong. Yeah. Nobody's done a test. Nobody's checked a bulb. Truly. <laughs> like three Truly. years and nobody tested anything. Like this was the Truly. first test. 
Yes. Man, what a, and here's the thing. Like, so in IT, we call it like disaster recovery. Mm -hmm. Like worst case scenario, if a full blown disaster happens and we lose our data center, how long will it take us to get everything fully, fully functional? And and like, these are just computers and servers. Yeah. Right. So this was the nuclear version of a disaster recovery Mm -hmm. practice, which is like, you set up a, a test where you're like, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to act like everything breaks down yeah. and then we're going to fully test how to recover it, except for their yeah. disaster recovery ter- test turned into a disaster. Yes, exactly. That's, and I got to tell you, even while I was reading the, the breakdown of what happened during the, during Chernobyl, mm-hmm. it caused me an immense amount of, of like, of like anxiety because this is all happening within As seconds. It should. <laughs> seconds though like when you're doing these tests they're like okay you have 30 seconds to do this then yes. one second to do and then when you look at the it's you guys chernobyl's it's, wild it's crazy <laughs> so then the other thing just to go back to people are dumb so the safety mm-hmm. tests were deemed to be so routine that the directors of the plant didn't even bother to show up for the safety test that night so they were and I'll like, tell you, that's management. That's, that's normal everyday management. <laughs> I don't care what the Soviets said. That decision right there was extremely democratic. <laughs> They're like, we'll that's get the American, email in the morning. We'll get the memo. That's American management right there. That's part of the reason it <laughs> went down is because an American manager will be like, oh, you do this disaster recovery test at two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. I will be at home with my family taking exactly. a nap. That's so, American. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to run you through like a really quick timeline of what exactly happened that night. So oh, the day before it's April 25th, 1986 at 1am, the operators begin to reduce the power to reactor number four in preparation for the safety test. Now, in order for them to do that, so the whole safety test, it was designed to figure out if the, core the nuclear core can still produce enough power when uh like electricity is lost so like if there was ever if there was ever like a blackout and they wanted to see if the reactors would give enough energy off to be able to run the plant and operate the reactors that's a good test we should be figuring that out in a diminished state yes can our nuclear reactor still function be stable yeah Absolutely. That, that's, that's a that's a test we should all be doing. You Absolutely. Know? <laughs> um, so um, on an April 25th, 1986, 11, 10 p.m. So we're, you know, well into the evening now of that same day. They've brought the they've brought the reactor down to the appropriate levels to where they could start doing the test. Um, oh, wait, and just so everybody knows in math, this is a twenty this is 23 hours later. Yes. So that's another thing I want to point out. Like time in chernobyl mm-hmm. whether it be the the actual explosion or everything that happened afterward time is time is Irrelevant. big but yet extremely small yeah. it's wild so 23 hours to start like at, you start bringing it down at 1 a.m mm-hmm. 2300 it's now at a level where you can start the test for yeah. 23 hours this reactor has just been slowly <laughs> losing power yeah and I'm getting anxious. <laughs> so um, at 11.10 p.m. on April 25th, the operators received permission to continue with the test and start shutting down the reactor. OK, so somebody signed off, off on that. Somebody, somebody said, signed, yes. And yep. I would also like to point out in any typical job, and this is this is not throwing shade at anybody, but typically, people who work during the day are a little mm-hmm. bit more experienced than they are than the the people that work at night. And the people it's because 
people during the day probably have to run a lot more routine safety tests like this than the night crew do because the night crew all they all they have to worry about is like making sure everything runs smoothly through the night you gotta maintain yeah we want to keep it functional until like 8 a.m and then when everybody gets up and they start using this power and also it's really weird like i always make the comparisons to tech but the the reason that that happens a lot is because you you earn like in tech, you have to work a lot of late nights mm-hmm. in order to have the privilege to just work from nine to five. Because yeah. that's a privilege, like to work during the day and then have the downtime with your family. Yeah. You really like the new hires come in and mm-hmm. you're like, you're on third shift. I'll see you at 7 a.m. Yeah. God, God speed. Absolutely. So terrible. <laughs> it's safe to say that the night crew didn't know what they were doing that night at Chernobyl. They had never Not had to run as... a test of this magnitude before <laughs> and i and i'm gonna say it controversial controversial thought i don't think that there's any low magnitude tests that are done at a nuclear reactor fair <laughs> very fair <laughs> i think there's a single i don't think <laughs> testing the toilets would be a low level test <laughs> well and it's even documented in like the investigation that the night mm-hmm. crew wasn't even given specific instructions on how to carry out this test so that's fucking crazy to me they're like yeah just go ahead and shut down this nuclear plant and they're like but how and they're like just <gasps> shut it down <laughs> right like just you hit the shutdown button and you wait for it to restart Hello, turn it off and turn it on again uh, duh Walter <laughs> uh, so <laughs> April 26 1986 at 12:28 a.m. this is exactly 1 hour and 18 minutes after they have been given permission to start this test the power begins Ooh. to plummet far below what is considered to be a stable level for the nuclear reactor Oh, boy. All right. So we're like Gucci gang. (laughs) So So the operators respond. uh, They respond accordingly. Yes. obviously. a little terror in your voice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) They (laughs) they decide that what they need to do to boost the power is to remove the control rods completely from the reactor. Now, the gag of it all. This is a tea gagging moment. Um, This is a gag. By doing so, by by removing all of the control rods from the reactor, it is in Mm. direct violation of all safety protocols that have been put in place with the reactor. So (laughs) this is where (laughs) this is where somebody like and but also like I put myself in that position. And like, of course, I'm picturing the way that I saw it at HBO, but like sitting there. For 23 hours, we've watched this thing slowly lose power. And then at midnight 28 all of a sudden she drops whatever i gotta do to get it to go back up i'm gonna do it because this is nuclear power yeah and i just started yesterday all right i just got my degree (laughs) from like the university of kiev like six months ago i'm just here to like clean the windows but we gotta pull these rods all right because i don't know what that that beeping noise is but we need to make it stop that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> so even after they remove those control rods completely from mm-hmm. the core, I, like, I just like saying that sentence, they still have a lot of issues raising the power in that reactor. Like, and the like reason to get it back is, up the stable is because once they removed 
the rods, there was an excessive amount of xenon gas that was being produced by the system, which was in turn suffocating the core. So. <laughs> right. OK. And you never want the core to just like lose all power because that's bad. That's when that's when the pop off. That's that's when, that's, <laughs> that's when shit starts to pop off. Pop. You need the energy in order to feed the energy. But when you lose the energy, the the delicate balance up. of just like nuclear science is 100% so crazy. Hundred percent aliens. I'm not. A I chemist. don't care. I don't understand how it works. They no. explained it in like full depth on HBO, the the miniseries Chernobyl. It all yeah. went over my head. I just understood that it was a very <laughs> delicate dance, if you will. Of like all these it was different elements. <laughs> it's this is why I know it's aliens. Nuclear power is an extremely delicate balance of very imbalanced things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's not meant for us. No. That's not for man. That's for gods. So. That's not for us. <laughs> so 32 minutes later at 1 a.m., the power stabilizes. However, it is a drastically lower number than what is still considered for the reactor to be stable. Right. Like so. So the the test was supposed to what is it the numbers it's like the test was supposed to be at I think 700, 700 and they and were then, able to maintain at 200. So they were like it so that's when it plummeted. So yeah. it was at 7 and then it plummeted down to 200. Mm -hmm. And again, these are just numbers. What is it measuring? I don't know. Power like kilowatts, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not. It's but not it my job. 700. 700 was too low, but then it plummets to 200. That's when people are like this is terrifying, but then it stabilizes at 200. And <laughs> they're like all right go ahead with the test press and see, on this is where you needed i'm gonna say it you needed a woman in the room because first thing <laughs> i think a woman would have said would have been no we can't continue no. the test we should have never gone below 700 mm -hmm. i'm certainly not going to test it after pulling out all the rods i've broken the rules yes all right ken i've already broken the rules we're putting the rods back and we're we're stopping everything. <laughs> so shut it down. Now this is when shit starts to really pop off. So uh, because our timeline, our timeline now shifts from being just hours and minutes to we are now into hours, minutes, and seconds. So time. <laughs> 23 minutes and four seconds after they were given the go ahead, go ahead and proceed. Um the test officially begins. I apologize. I misspoke. So 23 minutes okay. and four seconds after they were, they had stable power. They had stable power okay. for 23 minutes. They were like, cool, start the test. They were like, awesome. <laughs> we're going to do this. And we're then do, we're, we're, we're stable, but we're low, but we're stable. <laughs> so then 36 oh, the seconds, the 36 <laughs> seconds pass and an operator makes the decision to press the emergency shutdown button because shit's popping off. It's not so, acting. I think at this point, the I think they, they started the test and the power plummeted. Like we're talking like right. double digits. Like I'm pretty right. sure it dropped down to like in the 60s, 70s. And that's like, oh shit, like we need to shut this bitch down. So now, like, okay, again, put yourself in the room. 36 seconds. Mm -hmm. You have watched the system go from somewhat stable and then somebody started a test, pushed a button, whatever they had mm -hmm. to do. And then for 36 seconds, you watch a nuclear reactor pop off. Yeah. Imagine how long 
that 36 seconds actually was. Absolutely. Like we all sitting here like we're like, oh man, five seconds is nothing. I'd imagine that 36 seconds was the equivalent of a lifetime for the engineers and people in the room. Yeah. Before somebody, before the 36 seconds, before you push the emergency (laughs) button, before the emergency. Ooh, I'm scared. He pushes the emergency shutdown button. And what that does is it pushes all of the control rods back into the core Right. And it stabilize it helps stabilize the core, right? Like now, just to refresh, just re- refresh my memory. It pushes the rods that should have never been removed, right? Mm. It pushes them back in the position well, they should have been. So in. the rods, <laughs> um, from what I understand, the reason they're there is it, it's essentially what's releasing the energy. So right. they should be open to a certain degree, but they should never be they fully fully removed. Pulled out. Yeah, the <laughs> yeah. way that they depicted it in the show is that you see it's almost like you like it's almost like you have a bottle right Mm -hmm. and you have like a pencil a a bunch of pencils that are crossing the bottle right yeah create like a barrier and then you slowly start to pull the pencils out but they should never be fully pulled out of the bottle you should always have a bit of pencil tip or something (laughs) yeah in there so when you pulled it out completely that's when you that's when they fucked it up exactly so huh so that was um 12340 at 12358 18 seconds has passed by and the first explosion occurs in reactor 4 and it was powerful enough to blow the 1000 ton roof right off the reactor and it shot a fireball high into the night sky and from there blackouts just start rolling out to anywhere right. that was receiving power from this plant. because the power is now gone in the atmosphere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not it's not in your toaster. It's in the air. <laughs> and despite all of this, the the <laughs> the man in charge at the plant that night still insists that the reactor number four is fully intact. Um, it's safe to say that he later dies of extreme radiation poisoning because he's you? over here. Now nah, we're good. Yeah. You felt no, we're good. you felt the explosion. You felt the force That's of a one thousand ton roof, roof being blown off of your building, where almost you work. a mile into the air. And they you're said like, that they measured ah. the roof. They said that they measured the roof. the it, The roof went up about a kilometer into the air yeah. when it initially exploded. And then you can't tell me you didn't hear, see, feel. I feel like it doesn't matter. You could be blind. You could be deaf. You could be mute. You could have all of this. As long as you have one sense, you knew that something popped off at that moment. Yeah. You could, there's, you could smell it. I'd imagine there Absolutely. had to be, there's no way. And he's like, no, nah, keep going. We're good. Absolutely. Is that the roof? No, we're good. Um, so we'll quickly go through the end of this. So at 1 28 AM, the first firefighters arrive at the scene. Obviously nobody, nobody at this point has any knowledge of the radiation. So nobody is showing up in like appropriate, gear essentially right. everybody's just out with like their faces and their hands uncovered and they're just yeah, they've got their fireman gear yeah. because you're like you, you see some small fires in the woods you're gonna go, just spray some water and we'll go put it out exactly um at 215 local soviet officials uh meet and they decide to go ahead and block off any vehicles exiting or trying to enter um chernobyl or pripyat the city that was built um right. and then at 5 a.m. Officials shut down reactor number three to be followed by the next morning by reactors number one, uh, numbers one and two. So they start with reactor number three, which is directly next, next to two. the to reactor four. And then the following morning, they, they decide to shut down one and two as well. Um, 
Smart. I'll say that's that's a good choice. That's a decision I can get behind. Truly. Six thirty five a.m. All fires are extinguished except for the blaze that is in the reactor core. And April twenty seventh, nineteen eighty six. The following day, um, almost uh, about twenty eight hours later, helicopters begin dumping sand, clay, boron, lead, and dolomite into the burning core, just in an attempt to slow the radioactive emissions. Boom. Trying to smother That is it. our Boom. entire timeline of what happened with the meltdown. That is the Chernobyl disaster. And it and it occurred over, you know, like I say from start to finish that night, like a seven hour period mm-hmm. to get to where you just ended. Yeah. Y'all, time is wild. So what happens after Chernobyl? <laughs> That's where I come in. Because this is where I was like, I want to know. So in 1991, the year that little Andy was brought into Such this Such a world, great year. Or Andy. Whitney Houston was <laughs> charting the day I was born. It was a good year. I mean, honestly, it was a good time. So uh, I have a quote here from worldnuclear.org. I got a lot okay. of information from them because it's World Nuclear Organization. I feel like they know the T. Mm-hmm. So the 1991 report by the State Committee on the Supervision of Safety in Industry and Nuclear Power. That's a big committee. Oh, that's a big uh, committee. About the root cause of the accident looked past the operator actions. Okay. So it is said that while it was certainly true, the operators placed their reactor in a dangerously unstable condition. In fact, a condition which virtually guaranteed that there would be a nuclear accident. It's also true that the operators um, had not, in fact, violated a number of vital operating policies and principles because no such policies and principles had been articulated. So essentially... It's wild, but essentially the people in the room, homeboy who said to keep going on with the test, they weren't mm-hmm. really found. They were found, you, like, yes, you made decisions that caused this to happen. Yeah. But they weren't really found like, I guess you would say guilty, like there was no court of law thing mm-hmm. because the policies that would have protected them didn't exist in 1986. Gotcha. So, well, and that, that makes sense because, well, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't. Because <laughs> I feel like there should be some scientists or somebody that would be able to like predict that like, hey, if we do this, this right. would be bad. But like, obviously that wasn't a thing. So no, no. So I will say the way that I broke down the after Chernobyl breakdown is three simple steps. Okay. Step one, you got to put out those fires. So shut them down as you were shut them down. So as you were saying, the firefighters came in at like, you know, 1 a.m. that morning. They had the fires out, I think you said by 5 a.m. Mm hmm. So the main casualties of Chernobyl that day within like the 24 hour period after the explosion Two people immediately died as part of the explosion. I believe there were plant workers who were in reactor four. Okay. And then there were 28 additional people who passed away uh, between April and July of 1986. And those 28 deaths are linked to Chernobyl because they passed from acute radiation syndrome. Okay. Six of those people were firefighters. So let's talk about acute radiation syndrome because this is... This is what we're all trying to avoid in the aftermath of Chernobyl. This is where people yeah. get sick and you die and da 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 So acute radiation syndrome occurs when a person is exposed to more than 700 milligrays of radiation within a few minutes. Okay. Fun fact, don't know what the fuck a milligray is. Didn't know Me that neither. was a measure. You, but you, here we are. You said it and I was like, yeah. Yeah, 700 <laughs> milligrays. Sure, I know exactly what that is. It's a thimble. I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't seem so like a lot. It doesn't seem like a lot. 700 milla anything doesn't seem like a lot. So 700 milligrays of radiation in a couple of minutes. The okay. symptoms of ARS are nausea, vomiting, headaches, burns, and fever. So it it just if you're exposed to high levels of it, it just starts to immediately like burn the skin, and you'll get mm-hmm. physical. I mean, just break down you at, at the cellular level. 
So for a full body dose between four and 5,000 milligrays um, in like, say, two minutes, 50% of people would survive that exposure. Okay. Four to 5,000. So how much, how many milligrays were people being exposed to? Exactly. So the firefighters, when they showed up at Reactor 4, they were doing, they were exposed to 20,000 milligrays of radioactive exposure eight to ten is fatal eight to ten you get eight to ten you're gonna die so obviously if you're exposed to twenty thousand you're and yeah those that's the six firefighters that passed within within months so step two you got the fires out now you got to cover that reactor core Mm -hmm. i'll say this i didn't know you know i don't know what radiation is i don't know what nuclear (laughs) power is but apparently you can't just like stop it it continues mm-hmm. to go the reactions are forever essentially or like in, mm-hmm. in the way that our brains work the reactions are forever so they had to cover the reactor that was still exposed reactor four yeah then you also had to shut down the remaining three other reactors like you were talking yeah, about Yeah, absolutely then eventually you have to decommission those reactors mm-hmm. because here's the thing about nuclear power even if you shut it down even if we're not using it anymore it's still doing it's still reacting it still has to be maintained like it's a perpetual system so um the way that uh the soviet union the way that they handled it was they brought in what they called liquidators okay and they initially brought in two liquidators to help with the cleanup and these are just like citizens citizens who were brought in to like help with the cleanup was it all was it voluntary or was it mandatory I think they brought people in. I didn't I didn't say anything about mandatory, but I don't think a lot of people like I couldn't see a lot of people being like, oh, nuclear explosion. I could use the fifteen dollars an hour. Like, I don't think anybody was. And this is the Soviet. And you have to think about the Soviets. It's like it's it's socialism. Right. So everybody has to work together for the greater good. So it is your patriotic duty to make sure that you got to put your life on the line if you have to, if it means the you know the the survival of the of the people or whatever so by the end of the cleanup they had brought in six hundred thousand people okay imagine so that's six hundred thousand people who are all at some point low level exposed to chernobyl radiation okay and this reminded me of fukushima because as part of the fukushima nuclear disaster which i believe happened in the early 2010s Mm -hmm. um the people who volunteered in that case to come help with the cleanup were actually a lot of retirees and elderly japanese people Their whole thing was, you know, after Chernobyl, they had learned that, like, we don't need young, healthy firefighters and police officers getting sick with radiation poisoning. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of elderly Japanese actually volunteered to clean up at Fukushima. And I just remember when I was reading that, I was like, I don't think it would be me, though. I'm a very selfish person. (laughs) This wouldn't be me. So the cover for Reactor 4 is actually pretty interesting. Okay. So within a couple of months, by October 1986, they had already built a concrete shield over Reactor 4. And that was they knew that was their temporary, like, let's just get it covered Mm -hmm. so that we can do the cleanup around it. And then that concrete shield was renovated between 1998 and 1999, which I'm pretty sure they just made it bigger. I don't have any details, but I imagine you just made the concrete thicker. That's the way that my mind works. Give you some more time before it seeps out. Like we need a little we need a little time. Let's figure this out. So then they started plans for what they call the new safe confinement structure. Okay. And that was actually completed in 2017. Okay. So you have an explosion that happens in 1986. It's covered in October of 1986. Mm-hmm. Do a couple of renovations in the late 90s. It's not the final product, quote unquote, isn't completed until 2017. Yeah. Like again, time with Chernobyl is wild because yeah. the dis- the destruction happens within seconds. The mm-hmm. recovery is the rest of life on earth, which is, you can't even imagine it. 
Um, so construction on the new container started in 2012. The first half was put in place in April 2014. And I just like the synchronicity that the first half of the structure was put in place 28 years after the explosion. And the way that I like to remember that is that 28 people died after the explosion. 28 years later, you get the first actual confinement built. Yeah, so that, that was kind of interesting. Synchronicity with the... Synchronicity. With 28. Um, and then the second half of the structure was built and uh, was completed uh, in July 2015. The entire structure is 36,000 tons. It's concrete. It's steel. It's lead. It's all the things you need to seal everything in. And over the course of two weeks in November of 2016, mm-hmm. the two halves of the structure were slowly pushed together okay. over a distance of 327 meters. Whoa. So just to kind of explain. So that basically breaks down to like probably inches a day mm-hmm. that these structures were just slowly being scooted towards each other to cover reactor four. Yeah. And I imagine that's because it's not like people and donkeys that are doing it. They had to build the machinery to be able to move these structures from a very safe distance. Yeah. And 2015, I'm thinking robots, but that's just me. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm assuming they use robots, but that's just me. Um, and then fun fact, this uh, new safe confinement structure mm-hmm. that's covering mm-hmm. Reactor 4 is the largest movable land-based structure ever built. Oh, wow. So that's fun. That's that that's fun. a fun. That's a Chernobyl in the history books for multitude of reasons. Right. Um, so then the last reactor at Chernobyl was shut down in December of 2000. Okay. In February 2014... A new plan was approved for reactors one through three that involves dismantling the equipment in those reactors. Yeah, because everything that's in there is contaminated. You can't. Everything that's in there is radioactive. Yeah. So. So 2014, they approve a plan and they start dismantling the equipment. Okay. The equipment will be completed and in a safe store area by Mm -hmm. 2028 so it takes 14 years to break down and store this nuclear equipment okay then in will be broken down and safely stored okay and then by 2064 that's when they're planning planning on demolishing chernobyl as like demolishing it to a safe safe stored area so again Time at Chernobyl is definitely a concept because it's like it happened 30 plus years in the past. And we're talking about now 26 plus years in the future before it's like safely confined. It's taking it's going to take lifetimes before it's pretty much. Yeah, that's like a millennial lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. So millennials, we're the ones who were born at the start of Chernobyl. And hopefully if we're lucky enough, we will see it when it's fully contained. Yeah, That's, that's wild. That's crazy. Yeah. And then part three, nature takes over. So nature, essentially, nature, <laughs> nature's a nature. bad bitch. Yeah. She's gonna. Oh, what's this? Nuclear waste? I don't know her. I'm gonna break it down and, like, you know, make it not radioactive naturally. Yes, it will take several million years, <laughs> but you don't have to worry about what she, me, her is doing. You need to think about yourself. All right. <laughs> right. Worry about yourself before you worry about me. Okay. Because what I'm doing, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to stunt the growth of these trees, but we're going to keep it cute. We're going to keep it pushing. We're going to keep it moving. (laughs) So nature has taken over the Chernobyl area. Um, Everything is contained and protected enough that people actually do go on tours in the woods and areas around Chernobyl. Um, So much so that the HBO uh, miniseries has actually resulted in about a 40% tourism increase to that area of Ukraine, which I get it because you want to see it. But then also like it won't be me. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Radioactive energy. I don't even want to fly over there. Right. 
Um, <laughs> it's crazy. So what they have noticed is that, of course, nature nature popped off in her own way. So mm-hmm. there are incredible populations of deer, lynx, beaver, eagles. That's my phone ringing. Sorry. You're so there are thriving populations of wolves, deer, lynx, beaver, eagles, boar, elk, bears, and other bears. animals. Bears, Russian bears, who to thunk it? Um, so they're just thriving in the woods, and the as far as plants and all that stuff, yeah. essentially the recovery is that everything is stunted. Okay. So the trees that were babies in 1986 still look like babies because they have high levels of radiation that's okay. keeping them from growing even strong. Stunting um, their growth. The only they're stunting your growth. The only other thing I noticed is that, or one thing that I read was pretty interesting is that. So when they're measuring like radiation and half lives and everything mm-hmm. in like chemistry labs, it's all done in a safe, secure lab setting, right? Yeah. It's at like CU Boulder. Or they whatever. can control the. It's controlled. Yeah. So they're like, oh, it'll take. Uh, in the case of CCM one thirty seven, which is one of the higher higher rank or higher levels of radioactive uh, chemicals in the area, mm-hmm. has a half life of about thirty years. Okay. But what we've discovered over the past thirty ish years of Chernobyl is that in nature these radioactive elements actually have much longer half-lives. So all of the estimates that they had, they were like, oh, you know, everything will return back to normal in so many, let's say, million years. Mm -hmm. Because these half-lives in nature are actually extending, it might be billions of years before these radioactive elements. Again, time is non-existent in Chernobyl. Essentially, it's just, and and that's another cool thing that's happening, is all the nerds and the scientists are now going to Chernobyl to get, the stats and the data so that they have like mm. it's a real world example of radioactivity in nature yeah which we've never had before so we're yeah. seeing the actual recovery what happens to deer and wolves and bears when they're exposed to these mm-hmm. this iodine and it's it's fascinating but it's sad that it happened yeah absolutely that was like my least favorite part of the chernobyl uh, miniseries on hbo was when they ha- literally had like squads of people going and shooting all the the house animals the domesticated animals that yeah. people had to leave behind yeah that was i didn't like that one of the harder parts to watch because it's like and and even they talk about i mean spoiler alert but they talk about how like you know you're walking <laughs> through this abandoned town and they're like yeah the dogs are going to come up to you and be like this this human loves me i'm a dog i love humans and, and then you have to stay. shoot it gotta shoot it right in the fucking brain yeah <laughs> so sad. sad it's very sad oh my god but the whole thing is sad absolutely <laughs> not just the dogs and the cats. <laughs> oh my gosh well everybody that is chernobyl in a nutshell that was everything that happened yeah. during the meltdown and then kind of what we're left with after so um, seconds of destruction mm-hmm. and Billions of years of recovery. Yeah, crazy. You can't tell me this isn't alien technology. <laughs> you cannot tell me nuclear power is not alien technology. And that's where I'm, I'm leaving that. I now believe 100% aliens exist because we should not know these things. There's not enough math and science in the human brain. No, no, no. We no, no. no, 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 no. This was Absolutely. a meeting of aliens and presidents, and they were like, we'll give you this and the internet, and then you give us, like, people? I don't know what we traded them for. But Absolutely. oh my gosh well thank you for sticking with us um make sure to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to podcasts we are on all major providers uh my name is andy and you can follow me on instagram at mvp andy my name's mita you can find me at 
my co-plants on Instagram because everything else sucks. <laughs> yes. And make sure to follow <laughs> us on social media on Instagram and Facebook at sippin' tea 303. And we are a bi-weekly podcast, so our shows come out every two weeks on Tuesdays. So Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Bring a little joy to your hump day and listen to me yell in your ears about aliens and Chernobyl. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Okay, bye. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs>